Hello, friends, and even some of those that hate us. Welcome to a new edition of the Selby is Godcast. I am TJ Zuppi. He is Zach Meisel. You can find us on Twitter at TJ Zuppi, at Zach Meisel, and at Selby is Godcast. I don't want to prioritize one fan base over another, but I, I feel like I'm more appreciative of the people that hate us and still tune in. We must really rule in your brain. We, we must carry a lot of weight. <laughs> if, if you hate the people who have a podcast and you listen to their podcast, man, what sort of complex do you have? That's, I'm a little skeptical that there's a large group of these people you're referring to. I see the one-star reviews that we've mm. been left. I feel Most like those them... are, that's our competition just trying to bring us down. <laughs> it might have been. Or people that have sent me notes in the past. I didn't mean to vote this, but I, my button, my thumb slipped and I accidentally gave you a one star. Just go back and, and redo it, man. It's all good. <laughs> I know, And I'm not going to throw this guy under the bus, but someone left a comment. I love the podcast. You guys are great. You get me through each and every single day. But on this one particular podcast, Zach was louder than TJ. So I got to give you guys a three star. Come (laughs) on, man. Well, I mean, we are trying to invest in some equipment that's going to improve the quality of these things. Since it seems like we're going to be uh, recording from our own lairs for quite a while instead of in person together at the ballpark. So um, hopefully that'll help the three-star fans who listen to us <laughs> begrudgingly. But yeah, I mean, I definitely wanted to mention the feedback from the draft was fantastic. And we went, we said, we went into this not knowing exactly what it was going to be like, how it was going to work. And then if people would find it interesting, which is the most important element there, um, and it sounded like, a, you know, a lot of people enjoyed it. I know we had a few people who said that they were going to follow suit and do a similar type draft with their friends and get back to us and let us know how those go. So it, that that's cool. We love that. And, um, you know, it, it encourages us to think outside the box and come up with creative ways to keep you guys entertained and keep ourselves entertained. And that's why, you know, we're always on the prowl for our next game to review from yesteryear and I'm sure we'll do another one of those soon those have seemed to play pretty well so any other ideas of, of strange things you want us to do this sounds weird saying this but uh, just <laughs> just let us know we're open to anything i'm in pain too because i know exactly what game i want to do next and i can't find the full length feature anywhere and sto hasn't broadcast it i know they've been going back through their archives and finding all sorts of, of different old games to do. And, and then selfishly, I'm, I'm looking at them broadcasting it, and I'm thinking, well, part of that is cool because you and I can now set our DVRs to record it and maybe use that in the future. But now everyone else has watched those games. I like doing games that maybe you haven't watched in a long time. And then we force you to go back and watch it because we reviewed the game. I want it to be the other way around. Yeah, plus when they're on, when there's just like TV rips from 1995 and you have the commercials in between each inning on YouTube and and you have, you know, the old announcers and maybe like a little bit of a pregame show like that's, that's what brings back all the nostalgia to me. And that's, that's what makes it complete. You know, these, these rebroadcasts on STO are, are great, but you know, then I get the commercials I see every day watching TV anyway. I don't want that. I want to feel like it's 1995 again. Um, and I'm, you know, six years old watching this team 
I guess just with a 30 year old body in mind. I want the, the lines going across the screen. I want to pray yeah. that the VCR doesn't eat the tape. I want all the, all the good things I had to worry about in my youth uh, being important now. So I, I guess to sort of wrap things up as far as the draft is related, now that you've had a week to digest it, are you still loving your team? I, I am pleasantly surprised by the number of people that said they gave me the slight edge. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I think, you know, I think the – widespread consensus is that your team would win a series, but it would be a really good series. I'm fine with that. I, I screwed up and I, I probably should have gone pitching earlier than I did. And then I just, it reached a point where I just let you grab all of the <laughs> best pitchers. And that's, you know, there are enough hitters to go around from that era, especially early on that you still have a pretty good lineup. So I, I, I think I texted you and said, you know, maybe you'd win, but the series, I really think the series would go seven games. And then you never know what happens in a game seven. Very true. And over 162, I think the pitching plays. But that's, I mean, we didn't really set it up as far as rules go, What, whether you had to win a one-game thing. If you had to be a, a one-game thing, then me wasting all my picks on pitching wouldn't have really mattered all that much. Uh, but if you missed the draft... It is our most recent other than this week. It is the 94 to 2019 Cleveland Indians draft between Meisel and me. So go back and listen to it if you hadn't already. I think you might enjoy it. So we actually have some news as far as baseball is related. Um, I don't know of what level we're at as far as the likelihood of these things happening because we're getting some some conflicting views from those that have reported it, but what were some of your initial thoughts, I guess, when you learned of, of baseball and some of the contingency plans that they're working through to actually get a season done? Some of those include maybe playing games all in Arizona in front of no fans at spring training ballparks and keeping players away from each other for four and a half months of the year. I mean, I get through that myself. If I, if I, if people would let me just go off by myself for four and a half months, I'd be all about that in isolation. But I'm not sure every other Major League Baseball player would, would sign up for that. So what'd you think? My initial reaction was, fuck. <laughs> um, I mean, <laughs> which, it, it, would you be part of the isolation? Well, so that's, that's, I mean, that's my first thought selfishly is what is it going to mean for my job and my livelihood and my health and, probably most important, my sanity. Um, that's, I mean, that's so far down on the list of priorities for the league and the union to figure out that it's not something I'm going to get worked up about quite yet. Maybe I did for like five minutes this morning. You know, what's funny is I actually, before any of this came out, I think Jeff Passan wrote it overnight. I didn't see it until I woke up. We're recording this on Tuesday. Um, Good call. <laughs> I, I actually had to look at <laughs> a calendar to figure that out, but um, it's, I said to my wife last night, I said, you know, if, I wonder if, if they ended up playing games in Arizona, like would I have to go out there for four months and just live in a hotel and never leave the hotel except to go to Goodyear ballpark and just throwing it out there. And then I wake up in the morning and read an article about how like, that's been kicked around. So I, I don't know. I, I have a lot of thoughts on this. I'm skeptical that this is as 
advertised? Which, well, or just like as I, I don't think it's as far along and I'm speculating. I don't know. I don't talk to Rob Manfred. I'm not in those meetings. I'm skeptical that it's as far along as it would have seemed to someone logging onto social media this morning and, and reading about, you know, I think, I think they're considering a lot of things. You know, I think, fuck, there's probably someone in these meetings that said like, could we play on the moon? I mean, it's, there's no coronavirus. We can there put a man on the moon <laughs> and we can't figure out the baseball season. You want to see some launch angle? <laughs> but I, I, I just, there are so many obstacles. Like you have to make sure so many people are quarantined. And even then it's like, if you just, it's so, there's too many, there are too many ways to poke holes in this idea, I feel like. And not to mention the bottom line here is to me, if you, put 30 teams in Arizona and used 10 ballparks and had some weird sort of schedule and had 50 man rosters. And like, that just, it would not feel like a legitimate season. It would feel like a joke. Yeah. And I think that's, that's going to be the case no matter yeah. what, if they play baseball well, at all, it's going to, it's, it's going to feel different. This will always go down with some sort of asterisks and will be something to remember because there's no way that this can feel normal after after what's taken place. But there's a difference between normal and what this at least seems like to me, what it would be where you have rosters twice the size of normal. You have no minor leagues, right? What are they going to do with the minor leagues? Where are people on the AAA team going to be? Um, how are they going to play? Get them up. You, get, them, get them on the major league roster. And then, be good so, for service So you lose years. a de- year of development for all your <laughs> – other prospects like there, there's just so many hurdles not to well then what's the, the alternative that, though i mean and, and i'm not saying that i support all of this but there's no the alternative is still nobody plays but that's that's the thing is like are we really that desperate for baseball that we're going to stoop to this level now the league would say yes because they made 10.6 billion dollars in revenue last year and they don't want to lose out on 10.6 billion dollars. And I think revenue. we're probably underestimating the the number of players that would also say 100%. yes. 100%. So that's why that's what sticks a little bit of fear in me because I don't like this idea because I think it would I don't know if it would tarnish the game, but let's also remember the fact that Arizona is 175 degrees in the months that this is proposed. You're going to get games and you're playing in these little spring training parks in front of no fans. You're going to get games that are like 16 to 12 every day. You're going to have players who are just slogging through this. And and it's just going to be a joke, honestly, if, if this is what were to happen. And so to me, I'd rather see – I mean, it, believe me, this is detrimental to my job. Like, what the hell am I going to write about for the next 10 months if there's no baseball? But there's – I'd rather have no baseball than see what this – at this moment with what we know – is looks like in proposal form. It just, it seems like it would just be a complete and utter joke to me. Well, I would be shocked. I mean, just completely floored if major league baseball had put together a plan in place that you couldn't poke any holes in. I'm sorry. Um, there have been enough things that they have done wrong in, in years past where they don't have a virus seizing, seizing the, the entire world and putting everybody in, lockdown mode and so i would imagine it's going to be really really difficult to come up with a plan that everyone's going to sign off on every single part of it so, so that then don't and, well and that 
that still to itself is going to lead to people being upset on on some level. The, the thing is, we're thinking about everything and, and neither of us are experts. We, we just go based on what people that we we read, we, we watch on TV, people that are trusted voices in this. And we, we go based on those opinions, those models that are all flawed to themselves and try to formulate opinions based on this. So we, we know neither one of us is going to sit here and come up with some sort of plan that's going to make everybody okay with what with what is happening. But we're, we're also living in an environment here where we think nothing is going to change. Things might change there. The world might be a different place in a month. It could be in a better place. It could be in a worse place. I don't begrudge them for sitting down and trying to hammer out some details and sure. thinking, what is the what is the worst case scenario that we could be still playing games in? It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to play in that sort of atmosphere, but now you're mapping out what is the the worst thing that could be happening that we still think there might be a plan in place for us to actually play baseball realistically. I don't have a problem with them sitting down and, and hammering those things out in hopes that it's not going to be that worst case scenario, or it's not going to be every team playing in Arizona for the length of the entire season. The hope is here in a month or two that maybe things start to go back to normal. It won't be a, an initial wave of everything happening at once. We know that, but it's not going to be the same environment that we're looking at now. So for them to think, what is the, the way that we could go about this realistically, if it's still in a, a case where, this is the worst way that it could happen, but it still could happen. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. And, and thinking about the future, thinking about a plan, thinking about a return to somewhat normal life in all shapes and sizes. And this is still a business where people are making money. And that's an important part of this, too. It's not as important as saving people's lives, of course, but it is a factor in all of this decision making. My biggest thing, though, Zach, is just there's just. And it's been really easy to just stay off of social me media because of this. There's just so, so much constant outrage over everything all the time. Can we all Are just kick it back a notch? It has been it has been kicked up to a new level here recently. I don't know if it's because we're all staring at the same four walls or we're home with our kids now or or what the the case may be. But the outrage over everything and being so mad about everything. Just come on, everybody. Just take a deep breath. Just let it just let it play out. Let, let people come up with some plans. It might not be a great plan. It might not be implemented, but I don't have an issue with someone at least thinking about these things and what what would need to happen for this all to take place. And I don't know if if players would sign up for four and a half months of isolation. I, I, I have no idea. I'm not one of them, but they would probably be allowed to to voice their opinion on that. And they would come to a conclusion that they would either want to or not. And it's not my call whether or not they would or would not want to do that. So I'm just, I'm not going to get outraged about everything all the time. It, it would cause my blood pressure to shoot through the roof. Well, and that's, that's how I've approached this entire situation is I'm avoiding doing my best to avoid stressing about stuff I can't control. And maybe it's because I've, talk to baseball players every day for 10 years and I've heard them say over and over again, I'm not going to, you know, worry about something that's out of my control. I'm just going to control what I can do. I'm just going to take it day by day. But those cliches have worked for me during this. And it's like, I'm not, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be 
having to pull story ideas out of my ass for one more month or 10 more months, but I'm just going to take it day by day. And when I come up with an idea, I mean, I've got plenty of story ideas to last me, so I'm not too worried about that, but you know, it's, it's that thing where I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not going to get outraged about something that may or may not happen because this whole situation is fluid. And you think about exactly. we're, we're recording this on April 7th and a month ago or what I'm trying to remember. I was supposed to go back. I was home for a week and then was going to go back to Arizona like the day after they pulled the plug on spring training, maybe. And that was like, what, three weeks ago, three and a half weeks ago. Like so much has changed in that time period. So, so much more is going to change moving forward too. You never really know what's happening. So I'm with you and all that. And I have no problem with people brainstorming either. I think it was more just the fact that it was presented by a very legitimate source um, you know, you had every national reporter then following up on it and saying like, yeah, this has been discussed. So it's just, uh, you know, there's nothing else to talk about right now. There's nothing else to get mad about. And I, I I'm again, I'm, I'm with you. Like I'm not, it's not like I was looking up hotel prices in Goodyear and seeing what, you know, 15 weeks at the residence in would cost my company. I, but it, you know, I, it's impossible not to think about like, what would the media's role be in this? Would they sure. have access? Would they be allowed there? Because, you know, you're going to have thousands of people in this bubble and anyone who's in this bubble is going to be stuck in a specific hotel that has to, you have to make sure the hotel workers are healthy and they're quarantined. You have, like, right. But I mean, and that, might, that might be trivial to some, but that's, that's our job. Everyone has what they do for a living and it's how they make money. And that is important still. In this climate, so, I mean, I again, I don't have an issue with baseball thinking of all of these different alternatives and scenarios. Would I sign up for each and every single one of them? Do I think they should be gearing up to get out there right now based on the data and the knowledge that we have? I'm, I'm skeptical of that. But what if things take a positive turn in the next two weeks and, and you didn't have any legwork already put into thinking about the season? Of course. But I don't think anyone's arguing be silly. We, would, we would be sitting here ripping them up and down the other way. Why weren't you prepared? Why weren't you ready? You could have gotten back on the field. You could have done this. You could have done that. And I, I, what what is to be lost from from at least thinking of all of these things? But who's arguing that? I don't know. That's why I'm staying off social media. It's maybe I'm just making a straw man argument so I can feel good and get outraged myself. So maybe yeah, that's no, all to it me, it's, it's, I, I don't have a problem with brainstorming and preparing. It's what they need to do. I, I have a little bit of an issue with the motivation, everyone's motivation. Because look, sports is my lifeblood and it's all I've really ever cared about, all I've ever wanted to do for a living. And it's, it's essential to my daily life. But I also think it's a little, believe me, I wish we had live sports to watch, to gamble on, to talk about. But I also think it's a little trivial and, and kind of, I get a weird feeling on like these leagues. And I know it's, they're not rushing to get back. And it's, you know, it always depends on who's leaking what to whom, who's reporting what, you know, but it makes me feel a little weird that we're like, you know, it, it, I think a headline was like MLB hopes to play in Arizona in May. And it's like, pump the brakes a little bit. Let's see what happens. Well, I'm sure they do hope that. Right. But, but it just feels, it feels wrong that like 
I know Major League Baseball's motivation is that they need they want to make money and they want you know it, it's <laughs> they want their sport to continue they they want it to to not fail yes and but I think you can there are can't you, can't you be life, concerned though. about multiple things at the same time absolutely and I'm, not yelling, I'm not yelling at you I'm just saying in general I get really tired of that that you can't be thinking about multiple things and and putting certain weight on certain things as being most valuable yes we all agree saving lives is the most important thing but you and making sure rush, everyone is safe you is can the most rush back thing. though I, I, I agree with that that's but they me. haven't put the, the the that hasn't been put in place yet they haven't said that it's happening no at least well, according to these reports today from everyone a little pumping the brakes a little bit no but what i was gonna say is i do wonder if part of baseball's motivation is like it seems like like football is the sport of the country. There's no denying that. You know, baseball probably was 20 years ago, but this is. <laughs> yes, this they're going to have the draft on Zoom, and billions of people are going to be tuning in. Absolutely, and it seems like you know, baseball hasn't been able to get out of its own way. Can't all. wait till a GM stumbles in without his pants on or something. <laughs> baseball hasn't been able to get out of its own way in a long time with some of Manfred's initiatives and the way those have played to the population with. The, the marketing issues they've had, um, pace of play, all that. And I wouldn't be surprised if baseball thought, hey, just like after 9-11 when we were there and everybody loved and rallied around our sport, like if we could be the first team out of the first sport out of the gate sure. to come back, that would be a huge boon to our bottom line and our future. And there's that, no doubt there's some selfish motivation. And there. That is part of what bothers me. And it's, it's unfortunate for baseball in a way because it, it seems like the one sport, like it's possible that the football season gets delayed or has to be altered somehow. But of course this happens <laughs> during football's quiet period, you know, and, and it looks like football might end up benefiting if there is no baseball season, if the NBA and NHL just have to call it a year and, you know, then football just starts up as normal and you have record setting ratings and, and all that like that. That is possible unless baseball can figure out something. Yeah, here. They're, no doubt. They're trying. They would love to. And their hope, their hope, I'm sure, is to rush back to be the first sport on television. There is there is no doubt that that is part of their motivation. It doesn't mean that I consider them wrong for thinking about ways that it could happen. I don't think that's worth getting outraged about. Sure. And again, I don't think every single idea that was put out there in reports is is worth r- risking everything at, based on again what we know right now. I, we're just <laughs> the thing is there is so much unknown in every part of this, and you, you really only benefit from time passing by and more data popping up and. And you just go based off of that, but like, I don't, is it your I don't kids think there's all who are always yelling st- Like who is so outraged? <laughs> you damn straight. It's my kids always yelling. Goodness gracious. Just need, can, can we all just timeshare at a park? Everybody gets a day there. I, I realize we can't all go there at once, but can't we all just socially distance ourselves to the jungle gym for a specific day to get everybody out of the house? So, there's been a lot of, of binge television watching, I'm sure. There's been a lot at this house. I, I have no doubt that you've been watching things. And, and really, anybody that's trying to catch up on a show 
or a movie that they've missed, they had the opportunity. Even when you have a, a four-year-old and an almost two-year-old occupying your television, watching uh, Paw Patrol and Blippy and other stupid YouTube videos for the, the big portion of the day. So my <laughs> wife was really geeked about Ozark coming back. She has watched the first two seasons before. I've been in the room for some of them. I've watched as much as you can while you're also messing around on Hardball Dynasty on your phone. Some of those shows, some of those episodes, I've never gotten into it. I've, I've seen the premise. I, I recognize that everyone else loves it. I'm not saying that it is a bad show. It's just, it's not for me. It's not my flavor. I, I've tried it. I've watched a few episodes. I just, my attention span is not there. And she gets so mad. So she starts season three, but she wants to go back and watch season one and two again. So she remembers what's happening. She says, it's a perfect time to jump back in, dude. And I'm just, I can't do it. I, I have no interest in watching this show, despite what everybody on social media says about how great it is. So it made me think, what is that show for you that everybody else loves that you have even tried and you just can't get yourself to care about? I know we can't do this with movies because you just don't watch movies, but surely there's some <laughs> television shows that, that you actually like. I have actually watched one movie during quarantine. Um, Holy shit. Uncut Gems. It was kind of weird. I haven't seen that yet. So I guess I, I would say Game of Thrones would be my answer to this question, but I've also never tried to watch it because it just doesn't sound appealing to me whatsoever. Yeah, I'm more concerned or, or more thinking about shows that you have tried and you just you couldn't get into it. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Bastion tried to get me to watch Game of Thrones for years and I just refused. I, so I, I'll say. So it took me a while to warm up to Seinfeld. Um, which I'm actually watching all the way through for the third time right now but the first time it did not stick didn't land wasn't a fan um i don't know why i don't know if it's just i don't was it age related were you younger when you watched it no i couldn't appreciate it i don't know maybe just because i'm you know i was i was a baby when it was on live so like it just seemed like older to me and it wasn't I don't know. I, at first, I guess I just didn't find like the minutia that they're obsessed with to be funny. <laughs> but I, I it worked. Now that's not the case. The case. I don't. I don't know what happened on that first watch through. But you know, I'm I'm a fan. It's probably in my top ten favorite shows of all time now. And I just I don't know what happened. But it was weird because I would, you know, like Jordan Bastian. That's his favorite show. And you know, it, there are other people who swear by it and say it still holds up and it's funniest show of all time and i'm watching it through for the first time and i'm like I, am i missing something i just i, I don't get it but mm-hmm. now I, again i don't know what happened but a you know a switch was flipped and it's i get it now but that was a weird one for me for a while and i felt like i couldn't even admit that as it happened <laughs> no because you would get berated what, what are you talking about it's the greatest show ever man Okay. Well, for I outside of Ozark, which is obviously a newer show on Netflix, Friends is it for me. God, I hate Friends. 
oh, it's <sighs> so brutally bad. And I, I remember when the first season came out, and I was young, and I watched most of the first season as it was actually happening on TV. And at the time, I probably didn't get half the crap that was actually taking place on the show, but I liked it. But that was it. I, I was out after like a half of a first season and I've gone back. I've, I've been at friends' houses in the past, like in college when the, the rerun would be on and they say, hey, let's watch this. And we're sitting around drinking beer and I, it, it was terrible. I could not stand it. I, I wanted nothing to do with any of the characters. Didn't like a single one. That's a problem when you don't like any of the, the protagonists, I guess. And I know it's a comedy, but it just wasn't for me. Yeah. I, mean, I, I can't I, respect I can't that. Stand it. I don't know. Maybe it's different if you just watch straight through on, well, it's not on Netflix anymore, but I, that's one of my favorites. I, I think the writing's brilliant. I, I'm, I'm tired of the slander of, I've seen people who say friends sucked. I've seen people like, I'm so sick of the slander of Jim and Pam on the office. Like I get it. They're not perfect people. That's what makes them human. And if we're going to just, analyze 10 years later you know things a character did like people are acting like Dwight Schrute was like perfect guy and never picked on anybody like (laughs) come on get out of here like they they were bitching I saw people bitching about Pam how Pam treated Roy (laughs) and and like how she was flirting with Jim and stuff and like no one we're not going to mention how Roy Roy tweeted treated Pam we're not going to mention how Dwight treated andy's relationship with angela like i this shit bothers me people you're, you're right people just want to be outraged and they want to be contrarian <laughs> it's terrible the office i tried to watch initially i didn't like it and then of course you know i went and actually forced myself to watch it and then once i made it over like the halfway hump of the first season then i was hooked and then some jerk spoiled it and told you that michael leaves <laughs> <laughs> Dude, maybe people are actually binging that now. Come on. Yeah, if you check his IMDb page, you can probably tell that the series continued on without him for a little bit. Which I will say, so we're re-watching that, and we're almost to the finale. I appreciate the last couple seasons a lot more than when I watched them live. I mean, I've watched seasons one through seven. Michael leaves toward the end of seven. I've watched those episodes 15 times each and can recite every single line and my wife hates me for it because <laughs> I can't say it as it's happening I have to say it like two <laughs> seconds before they say it for some reason um, but I, I had never gone back and watched eight you gotta nine. prove that you know I, <laughs> I know what's gonna happen <laughs> I had never gone back and watched eight and nine because I remember I did not enjoy them at all when they aired live but I actually enjoyed Robert California Nelly has grown on me. Um, it's a lot better than I remember it. Yeah, I, I would agree with the, the Robert California take. Probably the one of the more underrated characters. The, the thing I could not stand about the late episode or the late season episodes of The Office was the way that Andy's character was portrayed. Agreed. Uh, like, he had made such a positive character arc to be someone you actually cared about and they just flushed it down the toilet for whatever reason all right you ready for a random cleveland indian of the day uh, yeah god this this is this is brutal <laughs> absolutely brutal this man 
made four appearances with the Indians. Four? Four. Pitched three innings, allowed six runs, all of which earned. One of what uh one of the runs was scored via home run, walked three, struck out two. Can you tell anything from his nine point one three career FIP with the tribe? Chris Nickting. <laughs> no. Right handed pitcher. He is now fifty two years old. Jerry so Spradlin. Oh my god, you got Jerry Spradlin? How did you do that? No way. Yes. Are you serious? I'm serious. It's Jerry freaking Spradlin. What year did he pitch with the Indians? 1999. So, I mean, he, he actually had a somewhat lengthy major league career. He pitched in seven years or over seven years. Wow. 475 career ERA. Uh, 371 career innings pitched. Jerry Spradlin. Why Jerry did I just Spradlin. say that name? I don't know, but you got him. <laughs> Again, in 94, he made, only made four appearances with the Indians. He also pitched with the Giants. But over his career, three years with Cincinnati, two years with the Phillies, a year with the Royals, a year with the Giants, a year with the Cubs, and part of that season with uh, the Indians. I had a couple guesses lined up. Was Rich Del- Delusia? Was he one? Yeah, he was also – there were a bunch of those pitchers on that 99 team. Who, I mean, because they cycled through everybody. Rich Delusia oh, was my next guess. He was on the 99 team. There was one, like, Rick Krivda. Oh, um, yeah. God, I hate you right now for getting that. So, I mean. Jerry Spradlin. It had to be so obscure that you would just throw it out jokingly, and you actually got it. <laughs> Jesus. Well, you can subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify. Again, you can follow at TJ Zuppi, at Zach Meisel. We thank everybody that helps support the podcast and bringing that to you each and every single week over at Anchor. Before we leave, though, Zach, a couple episodes ago, I had mentioned that I wanted to save one topic because we didn't know how long this uh, stoppage would last. How long would be in isolation? Yeah, did you want to talk about payroll and ownership in Lindor? No, I'm not going to do that at all. And I, I don't even have a joke for that. But I did want to. Relive one part of your youth as we both grew up playing baseball. I think you were a smidge better than me. And I say that jokingly because I was freaking terrible. But I want to give you an opportunity to share one story of your youth playing baseball. What was one thing that just stands out that was so memorable Mm -hmm. that someday when your kids or maybe Linus asks you about your playing career that you can sit back get out your rocking chair and and tell them the story <sighs> can i tell two sure why not i'll i'll share a couple too like i was i was a pitcher and i i didn't know what i was doing i never had co- proper coaching i never had like i didn't know how to train or or i didn't know anything i just kind of didn't know like what my mechanics should look like um and so i like i think i had decent stuff and i had ability but i just never knew how to put it together so like eighth grade our rec team was just incredible and like i had a bunch of my friends on the team and i remember i was just dominant all season on the mound and just like i i had I would honestly just throw fastballs at that point. And like they had a little bit of sync to it. And I remember just like my pitching coach on our team 
called me Roger Clemens all the time and would call me Rocket because of that. Like, I didn't throw all that hard, but it just worked. And... Got some heavy balls, man. <laughs> and then our – so we get to the playoffs in our first game, and we just blitzed through the regular season. Like, we're the number one seed, and we get to the playoffs. And I knew I was starting our first playoff game. And I, our, I think I told – I might have told this story before, but our driveway was super steep. And so all day we had these like on the ends of each side of the garage, there were, there was like a little brick facade and I would just stand in the middle of the driveway and throw a tennis ball against the brick and it would, you know, come back to me because it would roll down the driveway. But what I didn't think about was the fact that I'm throwing on this (laughs) incline all day because I was like nervous and stressed and, you know, it was a good way to just pass the time. So I get to the mound for the game and every, way to single, stay in shape. every single pitch I throw is like three feet higher than the strike zone because I was so accustomed to throwing uphill all day. And so I just absolutely just sucked. And then when I finally threw a strike, I got shelled. And I remember getting pulled, I want to say in the third inning and we got destroyed. Um, the only other story was, so then I, I was playing in high school and I like, it was the same thing. Like, I think I had ability, but like the coaches didn't really know it. Cause I didn't, I didn't know like what I was doing, I guess. And we, for some Wait, reason, if you I, hold the ball a different way, it'll do a, a different thing. I think I just learned that three years ago. For some reason I had to start a game. I think we we're in a, just in a pinch and I don't remember where it was. I want to say like Cuyahoga falls or Valley view somewhere in that area. Um, and they scored a run in the first inning because our right fielder lost a ball in the sun. And it, so I think, I think the right fielder lost a ball in the sun. And I think they got a triple out of it. And then that run scored on, I think I had a wild pitch. So I cover the plate. The runner kicks up all the chalk down the line covers my face (laughs) i didn't know it like i brushed the dirt off a little bit but like i go back on the mound and finish the inning and i come in and my coach goes you look like a powdered donut (laughs) but that that game is memorable because we i threw a complete game and i like came out of obscurity and we lost one nothing (laughs) um and that was like the highlight of my high school career like i didn't really do anything else and i just I always wonder, like, I don't know. I wish I had proper instruction because I loved pitching. Baseball is all I cared about. Um, but that was that was fun. I miss back in, like, Little League days when you could – you were limited to, like, four innings, I think. <laughs> then the coaches are in the back, like, doing trigonometry about how they can <laughs> – Okay, well, exactly. if he throws this pitch this this way, then I, I maximize them by get, getting this pitch. I mean, I think – coaches of 12 year olds might have been the originators of analytics <laughs> but honestly i had just as much fun coaching little league i coached pony league which was kids going into eighth and ninth grade for five years and we won three championships and like that was such a blast watching these kids just kind of rally around each other and have so much fun and like i'll never forget like they gave me a gatorade bath after the I think it was the <laughs> third title we won and, like we would get to if you won the team that won the championship got to walk in the Solon 
home days parade around the city. So that was always a blast. Um, yeah, that's it. Thanks for letting me go down memory lane. What about you? Do you remember parades? Those yeah. were fun. Uh, so I have two that stand out, and none of them were particularly good games because I was just so terrible. Could not hit at all. Like you, I feel like I had no instruction, no idea what I was doing. I I, I did go to a hitting coach once that got it. In thinking back in retrospect, how much information I got from people that I thought knew what the hell they were doing yeah. and had no effing clue. I mean, zero when I think about it today. Well, I remember one time I had a coach had me completely revamp my delivery and he wanted me to hold the ball like far behind my like down by my waist basically before I released it like it was it was bizarre and I'm like this is not working for me and I get on <laughs> he's like just trust me go with it and I I start pitching like that in a game I think I walked like the first two or three batters I'm like fuck this and then I just started throwing normal which <laughs> probably led to me plunking everybody but still it was just you're right like it's why are we trusting these random bands uh, I, don't, I know. don't know I don't know. Uh, Like, I feel like you and I have some insight that maybe others don't just because of the access we've had to players and how much we've had to pay attention to it. And I still feel like I would be doing such a disservice to sit there and try to tell anybody else's kid what to do in any particular game. But anyhow, (laughs) like imagine collecting money off of parents. What a what a racket. Um, So. Like I said, I have have two that stand out in my head. One was my first ever hit that I got playing in games. And, of course, not counting anything T-ball related or anything. But I just didn't play baseball for a long time until, like, my sixth grade year. That's when I got back into the – I fell in love with the Indians in 95. And I just had to play baseball then. And and I was terrible. I had no, no background in playing. Everyone else had been playing for a while. It's like their second year in this league, and it's my first time ever playing baseball. So I'm just completely terrible. But I come up to the plate, and, of course, I've had no success other than maybe getting hit by a pitch or walking. So I finally get up to the plate, and everyone's cheering. And one of my good friends at the time is on first base, and he was uh, he was a little hefty, let's say. And <laughs> let's just, to put it even more simply, just not very fast. So I, I hit a liner to center field. My life has begun, right? This is fantastic. I have now hit a ball into center field, a line drive that falls in front of the center fielder. I'm on cloud nine. I just collected my first hit playing in this league. I'm going down to first base. I'm so happy. I look up. My friend gets thrown out at second base. <laughs> that goes down as a fielder's choice. Eight six <laughs> thanks everybody that was my first base hit that i didn't get because my friend was thrown out at second base thankfully later in the game i actually hit another ball to center field for an actual single so it would have been a two-hit day for me and i would have gotten my name in the paper because anytime you got a multi-hit game they would put you down as one of the stars of that particular game if your coach turned in the stats from that game and i got robbed i didn't get my multi-hit game all because my friend got thrown out at second base on a base at the center field. And you think about it. I mean, if you have a multi-hit game, your name's in the paper. You're probably getting endorsement deals then. And Yeah, I might have. I, I could be the face goes. of New Balance today, not Francisco Lindor. Yeah. Uh, so, so my second 
story is this might have been, I don't remember if I was a freshman or a sophomore, but this wasn't high school ball. We were playing, you know what? It was, I was in eighth grade. I don't remember. Uh, but it was, again, this is just summer ball, just uh, a rec league. So I'm in left field. This is a, a, a tournament game. And one of my really good friends is hitting. He's up at the plate. A uh, couple of guys on base, tight game, very early in this game, like first or second inning. I don't, I don't remember exactly, but a couple of guys on base, key moment in the game, perhaps. My friend hits a line drive to left field that's in front of me. So I come charging in. And just as the ball is about to hit the grass, I leap forward, glove extended, catch the ball, slam into what should have been grass, but it was basically like cement on this field. Uh, there might, I mean, there was like three blades of grass for every huge chunk of dirt. So it was just, it was extremely painful, but I just robbed him of a base hit that ends the inning. So I, I am again, just, I, I, I float back to the dugout after this tremendous defensive play I've just made to save a couple of runs and also stealing it from a friend of mine was just, it felt really good. So I come into the dugout and everyone's giving me high fives. Oh man, I can't believe you made that play. And so I'm, I'm due up next in this inning. So I start getting my batting gloves on, and I'm getting my bat ready, got my helmet. And my coach looks at me and he says, hey, look at your arm. What, what do you got there? So I look down. My arm is gushing blood just everywhere. And so I'm looking down and I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, yeah, that's probably not good. So they, they hurry up and, and, and towel it off a little bit so I'm not dripping blood as I go to the plate. I step up to the plate as my arm is, again, still like there's blood all over me. And I lace a base hit to right field, drive in a couple of runs as I'm bleeding on first base. Ended up with a couple of hits in, the, in that game. And it was all because I, I think I had given myself that injury. So perhaps if I had either A, got my name in the paper when I was in sixth grade or just thought about giving myself some sort of injury in every single game, it would have taken my mind off of the fact that I couldn't actually hit and might actually been a good player. You know, it's what I've, I think I posed this question to my wife last week. Like, what if you have this hidden talent that you don't know you have and you are <laughs> exponentially better at that thing than everybody else on earth. And you just never know. That's my fear. So my biggest fear that I, I am, uh, I've missed the boat. Just like doing uh, cartoon voices and singing Disney songs. Didn't know. Perhaps maybe Let I'm good say, at that. You are really good at that. <laughs> I've enjoyed those. Keep those coming. Oh, I'll keep those private off of Twitter where we can keep the inside jokes inside. Hope to be part of an inside joke one day. Again, you can subscribe to the podcast, <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify. You can help support the podcast over at Anchor. And if you have a stupid story from your youth that you think is really important and you share it with us and it's a good one, maybe we'll, maybe we'll uh, read through some of those next time. I don't know. Send us a DM. Who knows what we might get it to over the next few episodes because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and neither do you. Any parting words? No, but we can brainstorm... What we're going to do, that's allowed, right? No one can get outraged at that. How dare you? Until next time, when we find something else to stream about. I'm TJ Zuppi. He's Zach Meisel. We are out of here. See ya. The Selby's Godcast featuring Zach Meisel and TJ Zuppi is presented by our supporters at Anchor. To help support the podcast... 
visit anchor.fm slash Godcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you hear, we sure hope you do, be sure to leave us a five-star review. And if you have suggestions, drop us a DM on Twitter at Godcast. Thanks for listening.